We are learning down Mem Gimel. Uh, so we're actually going to be starting right from the top of Mem Gimel at all. So let's just catch up to where we are. Uh, the Mishnah was talking about how a person can be transgressing the serum of Naziris multiple times repeatedly and be, get many um, sets of lashes if he's warned between each transgression. So the classic example is the guy's drinking wine throughout the whole day and in between different reviews and he's warned, you know, don't, you're not allowed to drink wine, you're not allowed to drink wine. And he gets separate lashes then for each, uh, each time he drinks or reviews. But then the Mishnah mentioned there's also such a concept by the Isra of him becoming Tameh. The Nazar is not allowed to become Tameh Lameis, not allowed to come in contact with the Tameh to a dead body. And the Shiloh is, what happens if he does? He gets lashes. So what happens if he was warned between them not to? So the Mishnah implied that he's going to get um, repeated lashes in that case. So the question is, what exactly is the case of the Mishnah? So one approach in the Gemara Yosef of Yosef is that even when a person is Tameh, but when you are no longer touching the dead body, touching it again actually in a way makes you more tame, and it's it's it, it can it's therefore forbidden. Why is it making more tame? Makes you more tame because of the halach of tumah chibur. And tumah chibur means if someone touches a person who is touching a dead body, then they the, even the second person it's as if he's making contact directly with the dead body and he becomes tame for seven days. So when a person became tame, touched the dead body, now he's tame for seven days. If he's, if he's no longer touching it, and someone touches him, he's only tame for one day. But if while he's touching the body. Somebody touches him, he's tummy for seven days. So therefore, touching a body again after you, you stop touching it could actually be adding tummy to yourself and therefore you can be repeating the Isra of tummy. That was one approach from Rabbi Yosef. However, Rabbi did not take that approach. Rabbi said that when a person is moist of tumma, in that way, he doesn't get lashes. It's not an issue. He's already telling what's enough community if he touches the body or not. So the issue according to Rabbi is something else. According to Rabbi, there is really only one way <clears throat> how a person can get the multiple lashes. And that's what we're trying to figure out. It's the scenario where a person has tumah that comes together with him coming into an ohel that has a dead body. And the point is that the Torah says two things by the Nazar. It says, don't become tamit. And it also says, don't enter into the ohel that has the dead body. So therefore, there's two forms of how the tumah can come. So let's say, if a, if a person is transgressing both, then he can get two lashes. But the question is, what's exactly the case? Because if he was tamit already, let's say he touched a dead body, um, and then afterwards, and let's say in the field, and then afterwards he goes into a dead body, and he goes into a home with a dead body. So he was already Tama, so you have the same issue. If the Tama with the, with the oil is coming after the Tama that he already had, so then the, the same Svar of Rabba that the guy's Tama already, he's already Tama, he shouldn't do anything, he shouldn't be adding anything, that should apply in that case. So the Gemara is trying to figure out what is the case, according to Rabba, where a person receives multiple lashes for both becoming Tama and becoming Tame for entering into the Ohel with the dead body. So we have to figure out a case where simultaneously he's becoming Tame and entering into the Ohel with the dead body. So what exactly uh, is, is that case? So right at the end, yesterday, Rabbi Yochanan tried to say, the case is where a guitar guy walks into an Ohel that has a dead body. So he's becoming, two things are happening simultaneously. In the same moment that he walks in, he's becoming Tame. And B, he is into... He is, um, he is he is he's entering into the ol that has that has the dead body. So so we have to say the two things are coming all in the same all, all at the same time. But says the Gemara, it doesn't make sense. Why? nami in the house as well. As soon as a person sticks his hand into a house that has a dead body, he becomes tamit. The idea is that the whole ol it's like the tumah permeates throughout the whole ol. So even as soon as you stick your hand in, even before your body comes in, it's as if your hand is is is, is touching a corpse. Very interesting Allah. So the tumah of Tumas Magav coming in contact, that's Chal as soon as his hand is in. But, but, but when did he actually come in? When was he lo yavo? When did he enter? When did he as a person enter the, the, the home that has the, 
the, the body only when he fully comes in. So by the time he fully comes in, he's already Tame. So it's not simultaneous. The Gemara is saying you didn't give me a good answer. Even if a tar person is walking into an Ola maze, if you break down in the milliseconds here, it's not simultaneous because his hand, the little bit of his body which enters, is becoming Tame but through the contact as soon as it comes in. But the, 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 the Isser of, of, of entering only comes towards the end when, when, when he's fully inside. So what, what, what is this? It's not at the same time. It's Elamar of Lazar, Tzirif Yado. The idea is that when Nazar would extend his house, then you're, then you're right. If he extends his hand into the house before he enters the house, then you're right. He's only going to become Tame for making himself Tame, but he won't become Tame for entry into the house. But Tzirif Gufo, when he extends his body into the house, meaning what he's doing is holding his hands to his sides. He's being careful not to stick his hand out ahead of his body. So then what's, what's occurring is that he's only entering in the same moment when he's become Tame. So then the contamination and entry occur right in the same moment. And therefore, he's liable for both. Otherwise, he would never have a case of both. So the only case where you're having liability for Toma and entry in the same moment is when you keep your hands to your sides and jump in that way. Says the Gemara, it's still no good. Let's break it down in the, on, on, on the replay here. Certainly his nose probably entered before the, the most of his body. Still the Toma is calling in before the entry because again, entry means the body is coming. But, 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 but since the whole... The whole home is permeated with the tumma, so any small body part that enters, it contaminates as if that body part has made contact. So still the tumma is going to come before the entry because the nose of a person sticks out first. Says the Gemara, Elam, Rav, Hechnes, Yadav, You're right, if a person sticks his hand or anything, or even his head in first, he's going to be liable only for tumma, but not for entry. Hechnes, Gufo, if he's put his body in first, how do you do that? So <clears throat> the Bishon are explaining what the Gemara is saying is that a person tilted his head back. He tilted his head back in the sense that his, the front of his face is not sticking out ahead of its body. So basically, yes, it's true, the nose sticks out, but if you tilt your head back, so then you don't have that obstacle, you don't have that issue that the nose will enter into the home before the entry, so then it's just gonna be entering all in the, uh, in the same moment. Says the Gemara, that's also true. What about your toe? What about your toe? For sure, when you still get in before the body comes in, there's got to be a little toe that enters first. When Akhazlai Tumah, there the Tumah descends upon him first. And again, he hasn't entered the house yet. Ella Omar Rapapa. We're not going to work this out. How do we have a case of simultaneous Tumah and entry in the same moment? The case is as follows. Just a little introduction. A person is only Tumah when they enter into the same um, you know, same roof of the Olamaze, only when they're exposed to it. But if they're in a, in, in a carriage or a box or something like that, where they're not exposed to the surroundings around them, so they don't become tummy. So the case is like this. <clears throat> the Nazir comes in in a box. So uh, the case is very interesting. He's inside a box and he doesn't have the tummy yet. His friend comes, we showing him saying the Nazir even helps him. They open the roof. So now in that moment, when he's already inside, but he has not tummy. In the moment that they open it, he's now exposing himself to the tummy. He's now becoming entered into the Oa Mace. And the tumma and the and the, and the entry to the to come at the same moment tumma biba hadika asi everything is simultaneous and that's why he's liable twice. Ma'abar Ashi Amar, you go into ayol kishu kosis. The scenarios is totally different. The person with the dead body in there wasn't yet dead when when the nazar came in. The case is he entered a house. The person was a ghost. A ghost means that he's about to die. It's imminent that he's going to die, but technically he hasn't been pronounced dead yet. We're going to see the status of that. So there's no Tumah Mamash Atzchal yet in the moment. But his soul left him while the Nazar was sitting there. Tumah Biyabadika Asan. In such a case, Taka, the entry and the contact all comes at the same time. 
because he's he's already there. Now, why did the Gemara have to say it was a scenario where he was in Gosis? Why didn't the Gemara just say he entered in, the guy was, I don't know, totally healthy, and then a moment later he was struck down by lightning and said the house and he died. The terrorist is because then there wouldn't be an Israel of Lo Yavu. There wouldn't be an Israel uh, that warns him against entry because his entry was into, what, there was no sin in doing that. But it's only when a person enters, it's a very lumpish thing, when a person entered into a scenario where the body was almost dead, so it was for sure that the body was going to die, just that it hadn't died yet, then there could already be an Israel of Lo Yavu, even though technically the Tumah was not there. So the Gemara's understanding here is that the Tumah only comes when the person is pronounced dead, not when they're in Goseis, but the Isser here, the transgression that comes not to enter into uh, the tent of the, of, of the Oha Hameh. So a person can be over on the Isser when they enter in there, even though the Tumah is not yet descending. It's a very interesting idea, and the Gemara will now speak out some of this idea. Says the Gemara, the truth is that we learn in Oma Chlikes over here about the Tumah, when does a body actually give off the Tumah? Tana Rabbanu, in the Heichalo, it says, we're talking about here how, how a person, a Kohen, is not meant to become Tamali. The whole point is not to be Machal. The Kohen has Kiddusha, his holiness, and he shouldn't profane himself. So when does that come? It's only at the moment of actual death. We're relating the word Lehechalo to Achalo. Achalo means a slain, a dead body. And we're saying it's only at the time of literal death when there is um, that Tumah transmitted. Rabbi Omer, but says, in the Passover, we're talking about he, we're talking about another in their death. He can't become Tameh, so we say Atriyamas until he dies. So it's basically the same thing. They seem to both, both the Tanakhama and Rebbe both seem to be arguing that the Tumah is not transmitted until there's literally death. So the Gemara therefore asks, my Benat, what's the practical difference? Tanakhama and Rebbe are agreeing Tumah is not transmitted from a dead body until actual death. On Rebbe Yochanan, you're right, Mashmal Starshik Benat was just the subtleties of where you learn it out from. Are you learning it from the word Lehechalo or the word from Bimosam? Says the Gemara, different tribe. Actually, there's a disagreement between them. They're arguing about whether someone who's about to die. <coughs> is already giving off the Tumah. According to the opinions learned from the Hechalah, even a Gosis can be included. Why? Because since most people die when, they're, when, they're, when they reach the stage of Gosis, it's already considered a Chalo. A Chalo means a slain body. So it's already considered a slain body from that moment. According to Rebbe, that we learned from the word Bemosam, it's only when it's literal death that the Tumah is transmitted, but not when someone is a Gosis. So at this point, the Gemara is trying to say that there's a dispute when Tumah is transmitted, literal pronouncement of death or the throes of death imminently before. According to Tanakhama, the one from Lehechalo, that the Tumah comes off even for a Gosef, what does he do with the word Bemosam, which has the connotation it's only in literal death that the Tumah is transmitted? Says the Mormon Boyle, the Rebbe, Tanakhama needs it for Rebbe's teaching. The Tanya Rebbe Omer Bemosam, Enomatame. A Nazar cannot become Tameh only to a dead body. The Isser is only, there's no Isser for a Nazar generally to become Tameh. There's an Isser unique to a dead body. Abu Matameh, some other forms of Tameh. Let's say someone is a Mitzorah. Mitzorah has Tameh. Azav, Azav was a regular discharge, he has a Tameh. But there's no Isser for a Nazar to get Tameh. That's not the Pshad. It's only to a dead body. But most of them, to a dead body, you cannot, you cannot, come, cannot come in contact with. But with other forms of Tumah, in fact, it is permitted. Says the Gemara, most of them, wait a second. That's a very important point, says the Gemara. So Rebbe better learn Bemosim for that. So how does Rebbe also double up on Bemosim and learn that the Tumah is not there until it's literal death? Says the Gemara, and if the Pasuk was only coming to tell us that it's the Tumah's mace that's also not Tumah's Mitzorah is evil. It could have just said in death. My most some. What does it mean in their death? You're able to learn both. We learn first of all, a dying person doesn't give off Tumah until the moment of death, literally. And second of all, that the Nazir is permitted to have Tumah from someone who has other forms of Tumah besides um, a death, a dead body. Says the Gemara. Now we ask on Rabbi Lamadam Ramos. Of course, Rabbi, they will learn from Bemosam that the Tumah is not transmitted until there's literal death. What do we do with the Pasuk? Lehechalo is mashma. 
as we said, even before, um, even before, as soon as it's a chol, even when it's a ghost, you said there's tome. We learn a different concept of That the Israel to become tame is only from someone who wasn't already tame. If you're already tame, so you're not profaning yourself um, any further. Let's say a Kohen is a corpse on the shoulder. So if a Kohen has a corpse on his shoulder, so he's not profaning himself any further by, by touching a dead body, so then there's no second Israel for doing that. We learn that from the word lehechalo. The Israel isn't to become tame, but only to profane yourself from becoming tame. First, you're already tame, we don't have an issue. Says the according to Tanakama, who learned from the Hechalo that the Tumah is there even before, from the stage of Ghosts, isn't the Hechalo needed to tell me that concept? That when a person has a dead body upon himself, he's not liable if he touches another dead body. So, how do we double up? Says the The Pasuk could have just said, to profane, my to profane himself, like extra little letters. We learn both points. Again, we learn two things. That when is the Tumah beginning? Beginning when he's a Gosis, and B is that the Kohen or Nazir is already Tommy, doesn't have the Israel being with Tommy himself further. So at this point, we're saying that there's a dispute uh, between Tommy Kama and Rebbe, at what point the Tumma is transmitted. Is it from the moment only of death, or perhaps it can even be from the moment that the body is imminently about to die? Says the Gemara, we have a Kasha from the Mishnah. I don't know, Tommy, I should say, Nafsha. A person does not give up Tumma until his soul totally departs. I feel good, even if he's totally wounded. I feel Gosis, even if he's about to die. So is the Tumma still not there? Isn't that exactly what we just said the Tanakama holds? According to Tanakama that we learn from the Hechalo, that even someone who's a Kaisis does give off Tumah, what do you mean the Mishnah says that there's not? And obviously the Tanam would disagree, but the Gemara is assuming that there's not a Machlokas Atanam here. So the Gemara therefore revises what we were saying. In terms of the Tumah actually being transmitted, you want to know when the Tumah goes from, from the body over to someone who touches it, let's say, everyone agrees it's only the departing of the soul. Everybody agrees it goes, this is not Matame. I, the Tanah Kama, seem to say differently. He's saying, for the Isra, profiting yourself at Isra, it's already beginning, beginning to be Mechal himself. In other words, he's saying that if a person comes in contact with the body, with the ghosts, even though the technical Toma is not being Chal, but very interestingly enough, he's profaning himself by coming in contact because the body can, it's like in the process of starting the Toma. So even though the, the literal Toma is not Chal, until a later point, until a later point when he actually is pronounced dead. But we're saying already from the from the from this man of, of a goises, already we see there that the chil is, is beginning, the process has begun, and therefore the iser is chalvan. So we're saying the dispute is not when the body transmits the tumma. The iser is whether it is forbidden to come in contact with the goises before the tumma is actually technically chal. All right, so now the Gemara continues, goes on to a new discussion. We know that a kayin is allowed to become tummy for his seven relatives. It's different. Then a Nazar, a Nazar, the Pasuk says, even for the seven relatives, you can't become Tame, like a Kayan Galo. But a Kayan, a regular Kayan, generally has an issue to become Tame. But for his immediate family, like, right, the father, mother, sister, brother, those people, he's allowed. So the Gemara teaches, Let's say something happened and the body is not full, fully intact. The person died, let's say a Kohen's father died, but the body is chopped up. Let's say the head was cut off. So there's a fascinating din, Enu Matamilo. The Kohen does not contaminate himself to bury this corpse. So let's just understand a little introduction. There's two things. First of all, a dead body is Tameh. And we're saying the Chiddush here, that if the body is not fully intact, then the Kohen doesn't become Tameh to bury it. There's another halacha as well, that a limb that is cut off from a person's body also has Tumah itself. It generates Tumah for itself. Let's not get confused. What we're focusing on right now is that for the dead body, the, rel- the Kohen's relative, is for whatever reason has chopped up, 
So let's say the head is cut off and the rest of the body. So the body's not intact. Even though both parts have tumma, the body has tumma, the head has tumma. But it doesn't make a difference. So Kohen is not Matami for it. My time at what is the region? Amar Kral Aviv. In the Torah says, even though we're talking about dead people, it says for his father. So the implication of that is not true Shalom. Only when the body of the father is old, the Kohen can contaminate can contaminate himself. Not when any part is missing. If the body is, is missing, it's not considered his father. It's just considered a part of his father. So therefore, he wouldn't become Tame. There's no, there's no allowance. The allowance to become Tame is only if the body is intact. And therefore, there would be an answer. The would be an answer for him to become Tame. What happens? Imagine the scenario Cohen is traveling. Pax to Daravos. It's totally like barren place where nobody else is. Possibly down to the ratio. Thieves come along and they behead him. So the Kohen, tragic story, is beheaded by thieves in a barren place. You're going to tell me that the son cannot contaminate himself from it. And what's the point of the Gemara? Yet, the son shouldn't be allowed to do it because the father's body is not intact. But the Shavarikai, with all that is, is that who's going to bury the father? That's the point. The point that the Gemara is trying to say is, if it's a scenario where it's in the city, so the Chavar will take care of it, and then the non-Kohenim will bury it. Okay, good. We can understand that the Allah is that the son shouldn't do it because the father's body isn't intact. But if it's a scenario where he's slain just on Baderech in some barren place, and now the son's not going to do it, so what's going to happen? Well, where's this halacha leading us? It's leading us to a place that the father's never going to be buried? That seems ridiculous. How could, how could, how could that be? It seems very interestingly from the Gemara that like, the rules of the Torah are always so we can't like have a halacha emerge in that way where if the father was beheaded in a barren place, then the son can't be Matami. Who's going who's gonna to bear it? So the Gemara says as follows. No, one second. If you've reached the, if you've reached the, cross the line, where the threshold now is that it's a mes mitzvah, where no one else is going to be able to bury him, even regarding to if it's not his relative, a mes mitzvah, a mes mitzvah is where other people are not attending to the burial. We're going to see exactly what defines a mes mitzvah in a second. But if it's a scenario where it's a mes mitzvah, no one else is attending to it, even if it's a non-relative, a Kohen could be matame. A Kohen could be matame to who? To the seven relatives. And of course, he could become matame to a mes mitzvah where no one else is burying. So then here it, here it becomes a scenario of a mes mitzvah because it's in a barren place. No one else is going to attend to it. And if the son wouldn't do it, no one's going to bury the father. So then it becomes a mes mitzvah. So of the Lokosha can certainly if the mes mitzvah becomes his father himself, for sure he can do it. So even though in that scenario, Area, the body's not intact. And the Kohen doesn't have a heter to do it because it's his father, but Stam, that will take a clay out, the fact that it is, it is a mace mitzvah. So the point the Gemara is saying is that's not a good point. And the heter in that scenario where the body was slain, where the, where the father was slain on, in the barren place, then the son will be allowed to do it. Not else his father. His father is only when the body is intact. But the son will be allowed to do it. Also, the fact that it's mace mitzvah. Frank Tikmar, is it really a mace mitzvah? Behind mace mitzvah, Vatanu, Ezum mitzvah. So, what defines a mace mitzvah that, that, that we say even a Kohen could become, become Tommy to bury? Kosher in Lokorban is only if there's no other people to bury it. Karvachim Ono. So, if the Kohen can call for other people to help, and people will come and answer the call, and other people will bury. Ain't that mitzvah? So it's not a mitzvah. So basically, we're saying, ask me no one else in the vicinity who would be willing to attend. In this, in this hypothetical case here, the Kohen was murdered here. He has a son. Can't the son go hire other people to attend to the burial? So it shouldn't be a mace mitzvah. So the Gemara is saying, in the scenario where the Kohen was slain there in the barrens, the Gemara is assuming it shouldn't be a mace mitzvah because the son, the Kohen, should be able to call other people. Says the Gemara, no, it's not true because even though the Baruch since it's on the road, nobody else is around. It's like there's no, there is no barriers. And what's interesting is that even if you would pay somebody, it seems like it's just dumb. It's very difficult to find somebody to come. It's like, you know, it's like getting a flat tire in some highway in Montana. You know, it's like the equivalent of that over here where it's a difficult thing. And the Gemara doesn't tell you, it's very interesting. The Gemara doesn't define exactly where 
where we draw the line. I mean, eventually you should be able to get somebody, shouldn't you be able to? But the point is that you're encountering difficulty, even for hire. And the, the idea is that when a person calls, other people answer. But if it's not an easily answered call, so then it becomes the scenario of Mitz Mitzvah. And then the Kohen, again, as we're saying, would certainly be allowed to bury his father. So again, Rav Chitza has a halacha, that the halacha, the, din, the, the allowance that the Torah gives for a Kohen to become tummy to bury his relatives is only when the relatives' bodies are fully intact. Otherwise, they're not called, they don't have the head there. However, we're still saying, if it's a scenario where it happened and the body was chopped up, if no one else is around, the coin would be allowed to do it outside the fact that it's a maze mitzvah. Says the Gemara mitzvah, it says in the bride, so la yitam, I'm talking about the coin sister, for her he could become tamay. So we say, la umitame, for her he could become tamay. He cannot become tamay to bury a limb that was cut off from his sister's body. So let's clarify, we're not talking about a case where the sister died. We're veering away. We're talking about a scenario now where his sister is alive, but a limb was cut off her body. Now that limb generates tumma. But the Pasuk is saying only for the sister are you, are you, are you, uh, are you allowed to become Tommy. But you're not allowed to become Tommy to bury a limb that was cut off from the sister. So let's say his sister had an amputation or something like that and her arm is off. So now the Kohen is not allowed to become Tommy to bury the arm. What's the ideal? He cannot become Tommy to bury himself a limb that was cut even if it's a live body of his father, even a closer relative like a father. He is not allowed to do that. However, says the bride, However, let's say he already buried his father and he had a hatter to do that. And, and, and now there was a piece of the body that was left behind, even if it's very small, the size of a barley grain. But Lamaiso was left behind. Once the coin became Tomei to bury his father, then he could go back and also get that small little piece that was left from the body and bury that as well. So let's... Oh, so that's the kasha. So let's, now let's, let's put it together. What's the bride's assuming you say? If you have a live relative that happens to be a piece of their body is cut off, you cannot become Tommy to go bury it. But if the person, the relative died, and you buried them and you became Tommy, and there was a piece of the body that was severed, then you can go back and get that piece and go back and bury it. So my master asking Asara, what does it mean? Clearly the case is that the father's body must have been missing a little bit. And that's what happened. You became Tommy to bury the father and now you're going back for the little piece but wait a second how was he permitted to bury his father in the first place that's the point of what we're asking the price was making a chalip between a severed limb that cannot be buried and contamination for a body that's basically intact but's missing a little part so we're saying that it's mutter it seems to be saying that it's mutter for the coin to become tommy to bury the dead person that's missing a little part and then it's saying and then you can go back and get the little part so that's against Rav Chista. Rav Chista held that when the body is not fully intact when there's a piece of it that is missing then you're not allowed to become Tommy for the relative at all. So it's a kasha and Rav Chista. So the Gemara answer is, basically, you're right, but it's really a machlokas tanoim, the point of Rav Chista, and this b'raisa is different. Lo, are you Rabbi Yehuda? That b'raisa is only taught like Rabbi Yehuda. You're right, Rabbi Yehuda allows the coin to bury his father even though the body's not whole. Rav Chista was following the opinion of the Rabbana, and the Rabbana disagree. Where do we get Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbana? The Tanya says in the Rabbi Yehuda, Yimer. Rabbi Yehuda says, Lo You become Tommy for the sister, only for her, but not for a limb that was severed from her body, as we just brought in the Bryson. Rabbi Yudah teaches, even for a father, if it was a limb that was severed from the live body, you don't become Tameh. You do become Tameh for a limb that was cut off from the dead body of his father. What does that mean? If his father, was body was not intact, but the father died, he buries the father, and then he goes back and he gets the limb and he buries it. So that's all specifically the opinion of 
specifically the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, and that's what the price was going like. And we're saying that Rav Chista held that the Rabbonin disagree. The Rabbonin disagree when a body is not fully intact, we don't bury it at all. The coin cannot bury it. Obviously, as we said, if no one else is intending to bury it, it's made smith, then it could. Says in why we have a kasha from a different price of Atana Rav Kahana, Rav Lazar Ben Yaakov. The pasuk says again, we're looking lo yitama, lo mitamidei leivar. You come tamid for the sister; he does not contaminate himself for a limb that was cut off from her her body. Probably kazayis when amaze. So another exemption would be, let's say there's a kazayis when amaze, an olive's volume of a corpse. So you don't have much of the dead body. There is a dead body, but you only have a kazayis of it. You don't become you don't become tamid to bury that. No kazayis netzo, olive's worth of netzo malatavid rekev, or a ladle full of dust. From the corpse, so we'll see about all this stuff later in the Masechta. But the the netzel is like decomposed flesh, which actually starts like flowing, like fluids from the body that are oozing. You don't become tummy for those. And the, and the other one is a little full of dust. That scenario is like dry dust that it decomposed. All the moisture is left. In that scenario as well, you don't become tummy to bury to bury those parts. Okay, so now you might think that let's say you have like most of the skeleton here intact. Let's say you have. The spinal column and the skull, the rope binion, and the majority of the frame here, or the rope binyana, or most of the bones, most of the number of the bones, you could say you're not become tame. And the Torah says it differently, and you should say to them. The Extra words. The Torah is adding another type of tumah that is allowed to the Kohen when he becomes tame for his sister. So basically, we're saying that yes, you don't become tame to a limb. Yes, you don't become tame to a liquefied or because eyes went a mace or, 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 or the dust. But if it's in the majority of the skeletal frame, it's here and it's intact, then the Kohen should in fact become Tame to bury such a body. You might think that he uh, shouldn't do the Rabbanyara, but not other people. In other words, maybe the halacha that the Kohen can become Tame for the major portion of the body does not apply to other relatives. Maybe it's only by the sister. So Amr, you say, no, just as the sister is dependent on him for burial, that's the idea. The Kohen could become Tame to bury her body. And the Torah is adding now that that's true even for Rov of her frame. So too, we say for all the relatives, any one of the relatives, that their bodies are dependent upon him for burial, meaning all the other relatives of the Kayin has the same leniency. You come tell me to bury spinal column, skull, majority of the frame and bones. So again, this is not like Rav Chisra. Rav Chisra said that a Kohen doesn't become Tame if the, body, if the body is not fully intact. And yet here, clearly, we see that the Brisa allows it. So this is not such a difficult question. The second Brisa, more than the first Brisa. What did we just say for the first Brisa? Rav Chisra concedes it's a Machlogas Tanoim, and that Rabbi Yehuda disagrees with him. He was only going with the Rabbanon. So that's exactly what the Gemara does for the second price as well. Answers the Gemara. He, Nami Rabbi Yehuda. That price was only going like the minority view of Rabbi Yehuda. For Rav, Amar Kaitan, Rav, Amar Chis, we're going like this Tana. So now we're going to support that, them, that if the body's not intact, we don't bury. The Tana says in a price of my Gizik. There was a story. Bitzel's father died in Gizik and he was buried. And came and they told Rabbi of his father's death, and it was three years later. It seems like Ginzik was very far away. So Rabbi Yisrael came and asked Rabbi Elisha, the, the other elders who was there, could he become Tame for certain remains? Basically, it seems this is a very interesting thing. You're take, they're taking the body out and they're moving it. And uh, you become Tame when you do that. And you're only allowed to do that in certain circumstances. Not always simply to do that, but maybe to move it to Eretz Yisrael, to a, to a burial of a family plot, you can do that. So that was his Shiloh. Could he, could, he, could he take the father's body out and move it? 
It become tummy. Amr lo, they said, La'aviv, no, Bismanshu Shalom, only when the body is whole. Bismanshu Chasr, not when it's missing a part. So you're a Kayin. So if you're a Kayin, then you're not allowed to become tummy if the body is not whole. So this is what they told him, and they told him he couldn't move it. Or maybe other people could, but he could not be the one to do it. So we see from here, we support to Rav Chesar. Rav Chesar taught that halacha. If the body is not fully intact, it cannot be done. Yes, we had other prices that disagree with Rav Chesar's halacha. We've clarified that those prices are only going like the minority view of Rabbi Yehuda. But as Rav Chesar taught, the prevailing view of the Rabbanon is that if the body is not showing, you cannot become tummy.